Well, welcome. Good morning. This is fantastic. It's been a lot of fun, actually. We're trying some new things out and connecting over like Zoom and Google and all those things. So it's an interesting journey we're on. Interesting in that, number one, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and secondly, we don't know how long it's going to last. But we are going to, we're going to enjoy it. We know the Lord has allowed this to happen for our good our, and his glory. And whatever it takes, we're going we're gonna to press on through it until we've done what we have to to get past it. So let me, let me uh, begin by reading our scripture this morning, part of it. I'm just going to read three verses. If you would turn to Genesis chapter 26, we're going to be doing 12 through 35, but I'm going to read the first three verses. I want to pray and ask the Lord to bless the things I prepared. Feed us because we want to know him and grow in our faith. So Genesis chapter 26, living life blessed by God. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Let's pray. Father, again, we are looking to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we're asking, Lord, as the author, to write on our hearts your word this morning. Bless the things I prepared, Lord. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Lord, every time we're in your word, we know that it's you speaking. So give us ears to hear. Bless what I prepared. Break it fresh. We're hungry. Feed us by your word. And grant to us, Lord, a, an obedient heart. Good soil where the seed of the word of God will be planted and bring forth, we would even pray even as we read in Genesis, a hundredfold in whatever we're hearing today. So bless, I pray now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so... As I looked at this, the rest of this passage, I noticed that from verses 1 through 22, when we looked at last week, this word land comes up. The word is, in verse 1 it says, there was a famine. It's interesting to me because the land was a part of God's promises to Abraham, which are yet to be fulfilled in, in some ways. So there was a famine in the land. The Lord said to Isaac, live in the land. The Lord said to Isaac, Dwell in the land and I will be with you and bless you. We looked at that last week. The Lord said to Isaac, I give all these lands to you and your descendants. The Lord said again, give all these lands to your descendants and to bless the nations. And then in verse 12 of our text this morning, Isaac sowed in the land and reaped and the Lord blessed him. Verse 22, the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. So here we have a little bit of a, a, a a little flyover of this promise that God made to Abraham now being fulfilled the next step with Isaac. And the, the land is central to it. There was a famine in the land, but the Lord made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. That's always what God does. And we want to talk about that this morning. God always takes the things in our hearts that we'll go, give over to him and he will bless them and multiply them out as he did with Isaac. So last week, living, living life right where you are. We talked about listen and love and learn. This morning, living life blessed by God, and I put it this way, dig, dig again, and prosper. And that's what we see in this chapter. Dig, dig again, and prosper. Now in 3 John, he wrote this little letter, and he said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now that's a good one for us in this prayer, be in health, Amen. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. 
just as you walk in the truth. I love this verse. I've quoted it often. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And the prosperity of our souls is directly connected to us walking in the truth, us living the truth. So we're looking at the truth this morning again in God's word. Uh, the, The song that came to mind, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Even so, it is well with my soul. That is who we are. So verse 12, it says that, that Isaac sowed in that land, reaped the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man began to prosper, continued prospering until he became very prosperous. This is always what God wants to do. He began to prosper. He continued prospering until he became very prosperous. God created us to bless us. It's God's nature to bless. And so God's very nature in wanting to bless us is not only bless us, but to increase his blessings in our lives. Now, God's material, earthly blessings are for everyone to enjoy, and so we do. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now notice this, that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So everyone partakes of the blessings of God. And we're different because we're treating people as God would when it comes to these blessings in our lives. Luke adds a little more to it, Luke 6.35, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. So God wants to bless us materially, earthly-wise, and we all partake of his blessings. God does not bless grudgingly. God blesses because he is good. Isn't that fantastic? These basic life-dependent, life-sustaining blessings shout out the goodness of God. And so as we forgive our enemies, as we're treating them as God would treat them, they begin to see something a little different about us is what Jesus is saying in that scripture we read. Even so, though God is so good, so blessing materially in this world, the majority of people do not even give God an honorable mention when it comes to these blessings. The sun, the rain, food, water. When you bow your head to thank God, Before you eat and you do that, and I hope if you don't that you will, how mechanical are your prayers? We should, especially in seeing the panic, these runs at the grocery store, we should be thanking God more now than we were. Though there may be some empty shelves in the grocery stores, go in and take another look. There are aisles and aisles still filled with food and drink. We are incredibly blessed as a nation, stocked with God's earthly blessings, and we should be thanking him from the bottom of our hearts every time we eat a meal, every time we drink a drink, that God is the one. He's the source of all of these blessings. So dig, dig again, and prosper. Discover these things that God has given to us in his word and apply them So it's prospering our souls. Verse 14, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. Now it says, so the Philistines envied him. Now envy 
is the selfish displeasure with how God divides his blessings. The difficulty in being prosperous and having possessions is that people will envy that. They'll be envy, and many times even in our own hearts. So that is one of the difficulties, but there are more dangers than difficulties. The danger in being prosperous and having possession is that we can become covetous. We can become worldly. We actually, it's, it's a fact that those who have more are more stingy. See, that's the danger in prosperity and possessions. Now, the antidote, I love this. The antidote, if you look at how Isaac lived, Isaac went around pitching his tent again. He didn't buy a mansion. He pitched his tent. That reminds me again, as with Isaac, so with us, that this life and these blessings that we experience are temporary. So to start hoarding and all these things, they're temporary. Psalm 23, we looked at it last week. Uh, excuse me, Proverbs 23, 4. Do not overwork to be rich because of, your under, because of your own understanding cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? Will you say, I'm not used to this screen yet, so I'm getting there. <laughs> For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. So here they are and flutter away. That's what the scriptures talk about riches. Psalm 27. For riches are not forever. Psalm uh, Proverbs 27. For riches not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. So even the, the top tier leadership, the top tier's authority, that's all temporary. Uh, Psalm 62.10. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. And Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 6. He said this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Notice, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It says, don't, don't keep coveting those things in your heart. Don't set your heart on them. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Not where your heart is, there your treasure will be. But our treasures and the things of this world, our prosperity and possessions, can easily steal our hearts from trusting God and thanking God for the blessings that we have from him. Now, there's nothing like a crisis to bring things into perspective. How important are some of these things that are temporary? The antidote is take heed. The antidote is to take heed by doing good. So keep digging to do good. Dig again and we will prosper according to the word of God. Luke chapter 12. And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. First Timothy, Paul giving Timothy this admonition. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches but in the living God, notice, who gives us all things to what? Enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation, notice, for the time to come. When is that? That they may lay hold on eternal life. So keeping an eternal perspective in times like this is even more paramount that we understand and realize these things that we love and enjoy so much let, not, let us not set our hearts on them that they divert us from the true riches and the two, true blessings of God. 
Let's go to verse 15. Now the Philistines had stopped all the wells which his father's servant had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. So we're not given that, those names here, but he called them the same. So he's looking back to what his father had dug and his, his servants had dug, that he had benefited from. He's in this land and he unstops them. So the Philistines were a problem. And they became a ever-increasing problem. Here it began with an envy. And even in the relationships that began the relationship nationally, they became envious. Now, through Abraham, God's promised blessings were to Isaac. So what did Isaac do when all this is happening? He thanked God, reopened the old wells that Abraham had, had dug. You see, here's, the, here's what we're going to see in this chapter. Isaac was not dependent on the Philistines for the blessings of God in his life. And as we look at Isaac and how he dealt with it, he departed, he left, he walked away from the, the strife and all that thing. And here, he, it's the same thing. He was not dependent on the Philistines for the blessings of God in his life. The Philistines were not the source of any of the blessings that Isaac was promised by God. God was the source of those things, as he is the source of all blessings, materially or spiritually. The ground from which it comes is the heart of God and the blessings of God to us. And we need to dig and dig again and prosper by knowing God is the source of all these blessings. We are not dependent on others for God's blessings in our lives. Now, he may use others to bless us, but we still have to give God the thanks, and give God the glory. And I hope that we're doing that even more so again in this time that we're going through. Verse 19, also Isaac's servants, now another place, they dug in the valley and found a well of running water. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen saying, the water is ours. So what did Isaac do? He called the name of the well Esek because they quarreled with him. Esek means dispute. So he called, he said, hey, this well is going to be called dispute because it's been a problem. It's, we're disputing over it. Again, what does Isaac do? Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one. So he called its name Sitna, which means opposition. So it's very interesting. It's fascinating to me. Here, water and having a well is so central, so vital to the nomadic life. And here Isaac, he, he digs one, and they say, no. He digs not, and they say no. So what does Isaac do? He walks away. And he moved from there and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rahaboth, which means room, because he said, now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. So this is a fascinating, lovely, filled verse. He finally, the, the contention's not there. The opposition isn't there. And so Isaac simply turns and says, thank you, God, this is where I'm going to settle. This is going to be our well. And he called it Rehoboth, 
So Isaac knew he was not dependent on the Philistines or anyone else for the blessings of God in his life. Now this verse 22 became very meaningful to me several years ago. It was, it was during a time when we were looking for a building. And as we were doing that, we did it because we knew our lease with the Kent School District would soon end. And so for two or three years at least, we were out looking at buildings, out looking at, to lease, thinking maybe we could build. And as we looked, the reality is that to do this, even leasing another building, because we had a great lease at, at Kent School District. I mean, amazing. And that's a whole other story of God's provision and God's blessings and God's goodness to us in this whole, the whole time we've been going as a church. God's always provided the building, the place, miraculously in almost every, almost every time, including this one that, that I'm standing in. And so as we're looking at the buildings, looking at possibly remodeling one, we realize this is going to be an extremely difficult stretch if not impossible, for Calvary Chapel South at the time. Our desire was to purchase an existing building and remodel it. As we looked around and we looked at the reality of the costs, again, it was, I just said, how's this going to happen? And so we looked, we looked further away because we wanted to stay in the Kent Valley. So we looked more on the East Hill, the West Hill, North, South, all those places, and just looking for buildings or possible properties where we could build. Again, we knew what was coming up, and so we're, we're sort of, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We had some great, uh, a great team of looking, and lo and behold, as we're doing all these things, I'm in my office probably a year into it, and I'm reading this as part of my daily um, readings, and that verse stuck out to me, and the, I, what, what came across my mind is the Lord saying to me, I'll make room for you. I'll make room for you. And so there may be opposition in many ways, but I'm going to make room for you. And so push, you know, to, to push the story a little further, this building that we're standing in is in the Kent Valley. It's less than a mile from where we used to meet for 12 years. And God did it. He blessed us in so magnificently, and it was all his doing, his blessing, his orchestrating all the different things, and there are a lot of things about this story that are miraculous, but they're not miraculous as far as God's concerned. And so who would have ever thought? I was one of them. <laughs> and yet God blessed us. He took care of it. And I might have wondered for years. God didn't wonder for a split second. So God made room for us. So this verse has become very special to me as something prophetic. I believe that the Lord spoke to my heart that helped me through those times. Verse 23. Then he went up from there to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. We looked at this last week. So notice, he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servant dug a well. So this could have been where God was seeking to get Isaac to, to continue the blessings through his life. The Lord speaks to him again, again, here in this, in this verse. He builds an altar. What a fantastic response to the blessings of God. And there it says, he called on the Lord. He never forgot God in the midst of all the opposition and strife because of God's blessings in his life. 
back home again with the Lord. Then Abimelech came to him, verse 26, from Gerar with Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? Good question. (laughs) But they said, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, let there now be, be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you. That, that, that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you, true, and so you have done nothing to you but good, ah, a little stretch, and sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made then a feast and they ate and drank. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with another, and swore an oath with one another, and Isaac sent them away. And they departed from him in peace. So So Isaac, in trusting the Lord, he was a peacemaker. And he made peace with these men, this nation. It came to pass the same day that Isaac's servant came and told him about the well, which they had dug, and said to him, we have found water right there. God's provision, God's blessing. So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. And that's even to this day. There's still Beersheba. So again, it was not, Isaac was not dependent on the Philistines for the blessings of God in his life. There was the digging, digging again, and prospering as God led him. So instead of Isaac going to Abimelech, now Abimelech comes to him and wants to make it an oath, a treaty that there will be peace because he saw the blessings of God, the multiplying of God, the greatness of God in the life of Isaac, all the prosperity. He saw all that and he said, okay, okay. You, I need your, your, an oath with you, a promise from you. And he knew that Isaac was good for his word. And so now these t- last two verses really are, are, are sort of a, a, uh, an introduction to the next chapter. But let me read them. Because this, this has in it some of the things that will erase the blessings of God. Notice, when Esau was 40 years old, he took his wives, Judith, the daughter of Biri, the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. May I say, the prelude into the next chapter reminds us that as blessed as we are by God, in this fallen world, we will, the, the, a mind that is painfully plagued is going to be a part of the blessings. It's going to be going alongside of these blessings. And so there's this painful companion that comes in the choices that those that we love make and even the ones that we ourselves make. And so what do we need to do with that? Dig, dig, and prosper. Continue digging into the treasures of God in our relationship with Him. The blessings of the Lord materially, earthly, wells, and water. These life-dependent, life-sustaining, life-giving blessings are from God for us. The wells are the tangible evidences of God's divine, material, physical blessings. Uh, Benjamin Franklin said, when the wells dry, we know the worth of water. (laughs) When you don't have water or you have bad water, you know the the worth of water. When we were in Nepal for a few months, um, we, we had to filter all of our water. And you begin to appreciate clean water and pure water. You can just turn the tap on and there we go. So the blessings... These life-dependent, life-sustaining, life-giving blessings 
are for us from God. The blessings of the Lord, though, are not just material and earthly. In fact, those are the minor blessings. The blessings of the Lord are also spiritual and eternal. Wells and water. They are symbolic of the spiritual life. They are symbolic of the life-dependent and life-sustaining and life-giving blessings of God to us. Now, as for the material physical, they are from us for God, and many, all of us, are blessed by them. All of us. But as for these spiritual blessings, we are solely dependent on the promises of God's blessings through faith in Jesus Christ. That's where the spiritual blessings we begin to experience. And those are much, much more important, much, much more rich and worth than any blessings we might receive materially and physically in this life. The blessings of the Lord spiritually and eternally are through faith in Jesus Christ, by the word of God and by the spirit of God. There are, there are there, they're there already. Even as the wells were there, they just discovered them. So these blessings are there already, put there by God, waiting to be discovered. They, these are dug and then found. By discovering what? First of all, by discovering the deep thirst of our souls for God. There is a thirst for God that nothing else can quench. Nothing else can satisfy. Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul thirsts for God in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Nothing can satisfy except God. This thirst that we have for relationship with him. This thirst that we have in this dry and thirsty land to know God and walk with God and be filled with God and be satisfied in relationship with God. How? By drinking of the Spirit of God, taking in the water, the living water, by digging and drawing from the Word of God and having the Word of God be what nourishes us and strengthens us. And so it's the living Word and the living water, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Dig again, dig again, draw again, and prosper. So I have no greater joy than hear my children walk in truth, in the scriptures, according to the scriptures. So God's material blessings are for everyone to enjoy, and we all do. But his spiritual, eternal blessings are offered to everyone to enjoy, but most never do. Jesus, Isaac was not dependent on the Philistines for God's blessings, but the Philistines sure knew how to get in the way of God's blessings. And that happens in this world. There are many, many earthly things that get in the way of the blessings of God. This crisis may be getting in the way of how God wants to bless us even through and even more because of this, not in spite of it. Jeremiah, God said to his people, Be astonished, O heavens, at this. Be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have, number one, forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Two evils. They forsook God and they turned to idols. What happened? 
emptiness, foreignness. The Bible Knowledge Commentary writes this about these cisterns. The most reliable and refreshing sources of water in Israel were her natural springs. This water was dependable, and it's clear, cool, consistently was satisfying. In contrast, the most unreliable source of water was cisterns. Cisterns were large pits dug into the rock and covered with plaster. These pits were used to gather rainwater. This water was brackish, and if the rains were below normal, it could run out. Worse yet, if a cistern developed a crack, it would not hold the water. So the, the commentary says, to turn from a dependable, pure stream of running water to a broken, brackish cistern was idiotic. Yet that is what Judah did when she turned from God to idols. The world can get in the way of the blessings of God. We can turn to these other things, looking for satisfaction, looking for the quenching of that thirst. And God is saying his people committed two evils. They turned from him and they turned to idols. And so these many, many things, we need to be digging and digging again in the truths of the scripture and digging, and again, digging again to draw from the water of the scriptures and from the Holy Spirit. First John says this, this is a message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and notice the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not. What's John saying? He's saying we can have fellowship with God. But that doesn't mean we're living perfectly. It means we're living vulnerably before God. We're walking in the light, which doesn't mean I'm walking perfectly. Rather, it means I'm walking honestly with God. I'm working, walking truthfully because he knows. And he wants to restore our fellowship. So as we confess our sins, he will forgive us. He will cleanse us. And we're back in fellowship with God again. We're not turning to some other means by which we can be right with God in the spiritual realm. We're not turning to religion. We're not turning to, to false idols and other things. We're turning to God in honesty and vulnerability and confession of sin. And then it says he is faithful. God is faithful to, to forgive us all of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness by the water of the word and the Holy Spirit washing through our lives again. Dig and dig again and prosper. As John said, I have no great joy here my children prosper because they're walking in the truth. God sent Jesus to awaken our souls to our need for him. Water is essential to our physical living, just as Jesus is essential to our spiritual living. John, in John chapter 4, many of you know this very well. It's the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan, and Jesus there at the well himself, weary, and, she, and he says, would you give me a, a uh, some water, and she says, well, how is that you, being a Jew, are asking water from me? That, that's just not happening. Not only that, I'm a woman, and I'm a Gentile, so how is it that you're doing this? And Jesus then, using that opportunity, said, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. This is such a fantastic story of Jesus meeting one-on-one -on -one in his weariness, yes, but I believe, obviously, 
governed or, or ordained by God. And here's this woman who is thirsty. She's thirsty in her soul. She's, and so Jesus says, hey, go. She says, you know, if, he says, if you drink from this well, you're not going to thirst again. So how can that happen? Jesus said, well, you go get your husband. And she lied to him. Well, I don't, uh, you know, I don't have a husband. Oh, no. <laughs> You've had five husbands. And so she, he, Jesus exposes the need she has for forgiveness. Always what he does. And so she says, I perceive that you're a prophet. And, and she writes there, Jesus answered her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall become in him a fountain of spring, water springing up into everlasting life. So God is that living water for us. He's that living water. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all these things. Here it is. Jesus said to her, one-on-one, I who speak to you am the Savior. So she goes back into town, drags a whole boatload of people with her and to bring them to Jesus. And she, I believe, was converted because she met Jesus and responded to what he says. You see, what happens is when there's not forgiveness, sin severs our fellowship with God. It happened way long ago, right in the beginning. When Adam, and, when Adam and Eve sinned against God and died spiritually. And so sin severs our relationship with God. And we need a savior. We need someone who can come and re-give back to us our spiritual life. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see, enter the kingdom of God. There has to be a rebirth, what? Spiritually. And so in John chapter 3, Jesus talked about all of those things. That if you're born again, spiritually, born of water and, water and the Spirit, you will experience life now alive in the Spirit. And the wind blows where it will, Jesus said. You can't tell from where it's coming, but you can see the effects of the wind. And the born again experience is God's Holy Spirit through the gospel bringing us spiritual life again. And now that life we dig and we dig again and we prosper in the things of the word of God. So Ephesians, Paul put it this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We're in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to, God, according to good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And he goes on in verse 13 and 14. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our redemption until, of the, until the purchase of the purchase possession to the praise of his glory. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, this is fabulous. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Why? Because we believe in Jesus Christ. We've been saved and redeemed and sealed by the Holy Spirit. We've been given these riches spiritually that are all ours as we dig and dig again and we discover these things, beginning with discovering, I need a Savior. I'm empty. We discover those things. And then Jesus comes and he saves us from our sin. He fills us with his Spirit. And now we're, we're, now, now we're beginning to discover by the Word of God and the Spirit of God and our fellowship together around God. 
that we have been given every spiritual blessing. And the depths of the riches of the, of the knowledge of God is absolutely unfathomable. You can't plummet. John Jesus put it this way. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's actually torrents of living water. I mean, it's going to take, it's going to sweep you down, if, if you will. But this, he spoke, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And Jesus said to his disciples there in Jerusalem, hey, you wait in Jerusalem for the promise. He's returning to the Father, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the rebirth, the birth of the church began with the born-again experiences by the Holy Spirit of God with a multitude of souls who were saved and given life through Jesus Christ. I love it. So we are solely dependent on the promises of God's blessings by faith in Jesus Christ. By believing, even as Abraham believed God. Isaac believed God. Jacob believed God. And they were recipients of God's blessings, not only materially and in this earthly realm, but also spiritually in walking with God and knowing God and knowing the depths of the riches of God in their own life. You see, in this life, these blessings are to be discovered for ourselves. When we dig and dig and dig again. We dig into the living word of God. We draw from the depths of the Holy Spirit's ministry to us about God and the realities of God as he's testifying about Jesus Christ. Filled with digging and drawing that empties, that fills up and washes away the fears, many of them. Washes away the uncertainties because we know whom we believe and we know that we know that we know. And when we're not sure, we can go and dig again. We can go and draw again from God through his word and by the Holy Spirit. You see, after this life is over, the blessings of God will be far from over. Both materially and spiritually, interesting, both earthly and eternally. Jesus is coming again to set up his kingdom on earth. The Old Testament prophets are packed with prophecies detailing what is that going to be like materially, physically, literally on the earth, as well as the application and the symbolic parts of those things to us in the spiritual realm, which will also be included in the kingdom of God, even as it is now, but then for all the world to be living under. And so as I look at those prophecies in the Old Testament in closing, here's what it says. I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. This is what God's going to do. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Now that's applicable in, for us spiritually, but it's gonna also be a reality in the kingdom of God. These details, and there are so many of them, they're vast 
in the Old Testament about what God's going to do when Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom on earth and the blessings that we will be to the whole world as we rule and reign with Christ as priests and kings to his God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever and dominion. Another one, Ezekiel. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I've been encouraged by this verse many times because we're told the same thing for us applicable. By the Spirit, God cleanses us. He makes us clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness, from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And God promises that to his people, Israel, because of Abraham and the promises, but also to us. Another one, Ezekiel. Oh, Revelation. Okay, now we're, now we're getting to the good stuff, okay? Well, that was good too, but. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha. This is the end chapters of Revelation. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Let me say this. There's going to be no brackish water in the kingdom. There's going to be pure water, rivers of water that we're going to be able to drink from without hindrance, not like Nepal and not like some of these other things that we've looked at today. This water that we're going to experience is going to be free from all pollution, free from all the plastic straws and all that stuff. It's going to be clear, crystal clear for us to partake of. Again, Revelation. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This is what's coming for us. Again, Revelation. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears come, say, come. And all the way through the scriptures, but culminating with this thirst. He, let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Wow. Let me pray. Father, we thank you again for these promises that are ours in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we want to be those who are giving ourselves to digging and digging again and experiencing the prosperity, the prospering of our soul, the prospering, Lord, of our lives in first and foremost relationship with you. Like Jesus, you said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, it shall be done for you. By this, we're going to bear much fruit. We're going to bear fruit that remains. So, Lord, we want fruitful relationship with you. And so we bow before you, Lord. We ask you in any way that we're, that we're you know, walking in darkness, walking in sin, I pray, Lord, right now for all of us who are gathered around the word of God this morning. Lord, forgive us of our sin. Cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And we thank you that because of Jesus, we have the forgiveness of sin, the redemption of our bodies, our souls, all of it. And so we love you, Lord. We're asking also that we would be more thankful as we consider how we have been blessed abundantly. Even we who might think, well, I don't have as much as that person. Lord, the comparison isn't that. The comparison is what we have and how you've blessed us is because you are good to us. You've been good to us, Lord, and we thank you for that. So please, Lord, as we have a few moments 
to just take these things to heart in prayer, praying for all those that are watching, all those who are listening, that, Lord, you would bless this word to our hearts, that we might prosper even as our souls prosper, that we might walk in the truth and be those who love you without hindrance in all these things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I want to encourage you, just maybe take a couple minutes right now, respond to the word together. God bless you.